Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB, 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time, and she's Stacey Mitchell. We've got OG filmer Nick Wolf behind the camera in our remote episode this week. And again, we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we are streaming live on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. We may have the biggest real estate story that I've seen in 21 years. And I'm, I'm not over-exaggerating here. So if you haven't heard, there's two lawsuits that are going through the court systems right now um, regarding commission payments, sellers feeling like they had to pay out buyer commissions and because of a collusion theory. And one of the lawsuits has now reached a class action status. And what that means if you don't know, is that it's the type of lawsuit where the party is a group of people represented collectively by one attorney or a, 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 a one, one firm. And this is serious. Like when it goes class action, it's a big deal. Like you see like TV shows made about this stuff or when these, these major lawsuits that happen. So this happened last week. And the short of it is that Judge Stephen Bow of the U.S. District Court in Western Missouri he granted the class certification, and this is one of two federal commission lawsuits, around a home seller who filed a lawsuit against NAR, the National Association of Realtors, Realogy, Coldwell Banker, Century 21, a, a, a litany of other firms, Remax, Keller Williams, and Home Services, and its subsidiaries, which is like Berkshire Hathaway and some other companies, basically everybody about commissions between the listing and the buyer brokers violating the Sherman Antitrust Act by inflating seller costs. So big news. This goes class action. This has been going on for a couple of years now. I don't think it's anything new that this lawsuit's been out there. What do you two think about all this? I mean, I think it's kind of crazy. <laughs> okay. Tell us more. So, you know, I mean, I understand for the sellers that you also, you know, everybody needs to care about like how much they're netting if you're the one that's getting the money, how much your bottom line is if you're the one out there purchasing the house. But you also have to look at the end game here and the fact that you signed a contract and that nobody, you yes. know, held a gun to your head. Um, there is no set commission rate. As you look on, you know, on the MLS and on these different sites as to what portion of it goes to... Um, the buyer's agent, it is not one number. Just like it's Agreed. not always one number that the um, that the listing agent charges the their client to to list the home. So, you know, there's no there's no set thing here. Sometimes it's a percentage for the buyer's agent. Sometimes, as we were talking about a little bit ago here, it's just a flat a flat number. Um, that's something that the seller can also negotiate out with the listing agent when they sign the contract. Um, you know, how much they want to go to what. And, you know, you negotiate all of those details out. You have the right to interview other agents. Mm -hmm. It's not like you get one and you're done. Um, you know, it's you have you can interview as many people as you want. You can you can talk to other firms and you can find out the pros and cons of giving different amounts to the buyer's agent, as well as, um, you know, how important the transaction is to you and how how much you want to be represented in it um, throughout the whole process. Well said. Very good. Well, I mean, sellers have options. They can sell on their own, right? 
And but it has been proven that what seventeen percent is left on the table if mm-hmm. sellers do MLS, try, yep. right? So it, they'll either try to negotiate and. Uh, navigate through the transaction by themselves, or they'll get representation through a lawyer, which then they're going to pay for that. But they're going to lose a lot of um, buyers coming to, uh, you know, secure their property because the buyers will have to either get representation through an attorney or representation through a buyer's agent, which they would definitely, they would have to pay for themselves, which adds a lot of money to the cost of purchasing a home. So sellers are, I mean, they do have choices, but the reason why there's uh, listing agents is because of the service that's provided and because the split of the commission to cover the buyer's agent represent, yeah, the buyer's representation with the buyer's agent is because they're going to bring people through. It's like a finder's fee, basically. Mm -hmm. They're going to bring people through that are fully vetted. They're pre-approved. They'll navigate the process through the transaction, there's there's a value to that. So, um, and like Sarah said, I have to agree, the sellers, they can negotiate these fees mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's very professional services provided. So, I mean, there's choices. The sellers weren't twisted, you know, arm twisted to, to sign these contracts and they did sign the right. contracts. So, you know, the, they signed up for the services. I, I, I th- you both have great points, and I'm actually going to take it one step further, that there are times here, seeing how these buyers like get into homes, and we've all been through this, people are literally like scraping nickels together to close on a home. The buyer always goes to the maximum amount they can afford. You don't see the buyer like being like, oh, I can afford a home at 500 but I'm going to buy it at 350 You know what they do? They buy the $500,000 home so they don't have to move again and save money long term. And if a buyer had to write a check to pay Sarah Timon, buyer's agent, or Stacey Mitchell, buyer's agent, they may not have enough money to pay the seller what they're asking for the home in the first place unless something changes with financing rules where they can finance this fee. So, and right now with the way Fannie Mae regulations are set up, you can only have X amount sellers assist based on your down payment. It's typically capped at the amount of closing costs, not to exceed three or 6%, depending on the loan amount. So, in a lot of cases, they're already absorbing that with like tax escrows and everything else. So this could actually hurt sellers way more than it, than it would otherwise. And in, before buyer, buyer's agency was founded, I don't know if you guys know this, it used to be there was the seller agent and like the sub agent, right? And so you can go back to that model if you wanted to, but this was meant to protect the buyer in the first place. And now the seller's saying, well, I don't want that, even though they were a buyer at one point. So you know, th- this lawsuit, I, you know, obviously it's, it's clear to me that the realtors in general have been targeted by the by the government. They're looking at it as like the industry that needs like a trust busting, right? Uh, and when you look at some of the rules, and I think this is more NAR than anything else. So here's the four rules they're fighting over, and I want to get your, your take on these. So the first one is, it's known as the buyer broker commission rule sometimes. It requires listing brokers to offer a blanket unilateral offer of compensation to buyer brokers in order to submit a listing to a realtor-affiliated MLS. That's rule number one. And you can't publish a listing that doesn't include an offer of compensation that's either a percentage or a definite dollar amount. Now, you could offer out $1, to be very clear. And we're going to talk about some of these in a second here because there's a builder in our area selling five, six, seven $700,000 homes offering a $500 flat fee out. 
on on folks. So that's one, um, and apparently that's the cornerstone of the plaintiff's alleged price-fixing conspiracy, although we've seen documentation. You're talking about, Sarah, that it's not, it's not the same fee every time, right? It's 500 bucks sometimes. I mean, the builder's just deciding to do that. Second rule is that it's NAR Code of Ethics 1615. It says, in cooperative transactions, realtors shall compensate cooperating realtors. It's kind of the same thing. Third rule is 1616 of the, of the Code of Ethics Standard Practice that states, realtors acting as sub-agents or buyers slash tenant reps or brokers shall not use the terms of an offer to purchase to attempt to modify the listings broker offer of compensation to sub-agents, buyer agents, brokers, etc., um, and make it contingent on the listing broker's agreement to modify the offer. So it's, they're saying they can't, it can't be like a contingency to change that, but you can ask. And the fourth rule is standard of practice 3.2, which says any change in compensation offered for cooperative services must be communicated to the other realtor prior to the time that realtor submits an offer to purchase or lease a property. After a realtor has submitted the offer or, or the lease, the listing broker may not attempt to modify the offer compensation with respect to that cooperative transaction. So the plaintiffs allege there that this rule inflates commissions by eliminating opportunities for consumers to be able to negotiate the buyer-broker commission. So those are the four rules. I mean, where do you see this all playing into it? I mean, I, I, this is getting very convoluted to me. I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of a, this is a hard sell. If I'm, yeah. if I'm trying to buy this, I mean, I don't know if I'm buying this here. I mean, I think that it's just clearly laying out the groundwork so that you don't get partway into a transaction and then have it fall apart because of, like, agents' commissions, you know? Like, it's it's laying out clearly what the situation is prior to, to going in, prior to entering the contract. And as it says there, if you wanted to submit an offer and wanted to have different um, a different commission structure – put that in prior to putting in the offer. Like you have the opportunity to do that. It's just, you can't, you can't come in after. Cause I think a lot of it also has to do with like wasting people's time and like getting into, cause I mean, I feel like in some of these transactions, like you get under contract, you get into it, you get through a certain stage of it. And then like everybody wants it to get to settlement. And if, um, you know, you get this far down the road and then some of these different things pop up, it's, and that's that's going to put a bad taste in everybody's mouth. You know, it needs to just be clear as to what is what going in so that there's no, like, you know, negotiating it later. Think about how many times you get into a transaction and the negotiations break down. And one party says, hey, you realtors, you got to come up with the rest of this here. You're making too much money. That's no different than what they're fighting because it's the same. You can change it. Uh, that you have to ask, but it, it's that they're actually dictating terms that they've already agreed to pay you X or Y percent or X flat fee. And they're saying, well, you know what? We're going to change our mind. We're not going ahead. You guys got to fix this because they're negotiating like an inspection or something else. So the idea that these fees don't get negotiated and they're fixed all the time, it's, it's just not accurate from, from, I mean, for the collective three of us, we've been in the business, what, like 27 years between the three of us. I, I don't see any time where it's been a fixed rate that has to get paid to the buyer ever and it's going to cause people not to be able to afford homes. And we're already seeing problems with affordability as it is. Yeah, there's already, you know, real vocal complaints about buyer affordability, mm -hmm. you know, in the housing market today. So this is just going to throw, you know, fuel on that fire. Right. Buyers are just going to be totally knocked out because they're not going to be able to afford 
to first time home buyers, like Tom said, they're scraping it together. Right. You know, if they have a FHA loan at three and a half percent financing, um, I, where are they going to come up to, to, you know, to come and pay for the uh, the buyer's agent representation? It's just not going to happen. So you're going to have a bigger problem, bigger situation with mm-hmm. these with these transactions. It's it's going to be more lawsuits, <laughs> and and the consumer's going to get hurt. And I think it's going to lead to a breakdown. Like I think it will lead to where some buyers opt to, I'm just going to represent myself. And maybe maybe they get under contract. Well, the first obstacle is going to be getting even under contract yeah. with, with what you put together there. The second one, do they understand what all they're, they're putting into that? And is there a higher potential that now this deal is going to break down once you're under contract? Because, you know, there were certain things there. And then you're also not having somebody there not just to protect you and advise you, but to be the buffer in between the two parties so 100%. that you can negotiate in a positive way and not be just super high emotions calling and freaking out. Like we often take the brunt of that and then go to the next part of the transaction to pull it together in a smooth way and not have it be such high emotions. I also think that if you eliminate the paying for the buyer broker, the seller, um, their agent is probably going to end up charging them a little bit more than what the cut is that they currently take because while they wouldn't be representing the buyer and the buyer, the buyer's best interest would not be looked out for in this mm-hmm. transaction, they're most likely going to have to do some additional legwork in order to get it to settlement. So even though they're not, you know, even though they're not the buyer's agent, they're probably going to have to be following up with them, making sure different pieces are put in just because they needed to get to settlement. So they might charge more for that. And now... And that kind of you're going to pay more anyway, too, because yeah. then you know the seller, the seller's agent, the listing agent, definitely wants to get to closing, right? Mm-hmm. So then, could there be that slippery slope of you, you know, representing both sides, not to the full hundred percent, because right. you, as the listing agent, you're hold, hand holding the buyer mm-hmm. through the whole process, trying to keep the deal together. I see this, yeah, opening up right. a whole can of worms creating more problems. You're absolutely right, Sarah. Uh, there was a lot of realtor reaction on Inman news about this. And one of the people said a lot of buyers are going to go unrepresented. Those transactions are never going to close. I'm telling you right now. Uh, because think about what's going on the past 24 months, right? Coronavirus, this, this incredible market, all that stuff. And you got we were right there in the thick of it, making Zoom calls for months at a time. If someone doesn't have a, a, a rep, someone representing them and guiding them through the process, what are the odds that's going to close? Because think about how hard it is to even get the offer accepted in the first place, right? And, and we're having to go through all these questions, coaching people up. They want to come in with one offer, and the offer that gets accepted is totally different because they have to do things like pay an appraisal gap. Well, guess what? You can't pay as much of an appraisal gap if you're paying your own commission. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's all comes out of like the equity from the seller. And that's, that's one of their costs of doing business. So while you have people going unrepresented, I mean, the appraisal gap's a big thing, right? I mean, they're, they're, imagine if the buyer said, okay, well, I've got a hundred thousand dollars extra and they know there's going to be a hundred thousand dollar appraisal gap. They can only cover a hundred thousand less the commission now if they have to pay that. So it's actually, it's it's six of one half dozen of the other. It's it, it the way the market is. There's going to be a lot of repercussions here, and that's why I don't know if this is going to really have any legs here because it's not uniform. It's not every home doesn't pay out the same fee, and there's not a price fixing. We see this all the time. I've seen commissions drop on the buy side over the past 24 months. I mean, I don't know what what you guys are seeing, and we've got Ryan Homes, right? I mean, how many times have you seen this? Five hundred dollars, right? So they're doing whatever they want. They're in the MLS. 
that's not something that I would agree to personally, unless it was the only way to help the person out. But like, that's not the norm. That's obviously against the price fixing collusion theory that they're talking about here. And we've seen people offer out like a dollar before in the MLS. So I don't, I don't know where they're getting this information. I think it's someone feels like they got burnt and now they've got another angry homeowner and it's all sour grapes. You know, it, it, it's we'll just go back to sub agents then and buyers don't have any representation. Like it's, it, it's not it, that that's the only solution here. And I, th- I mean, I think it's very like one sided where it's easy to look at like they're upset. They're looking at it strictly from the money that went out of pocket right there without seeing the full picture of like that they got to settlement got the home sold maybe got more than they, like it's right. it's not all of the pieces it's just looking at one little snapshot and feeling like they overpaid for something right think about how many times if someone didn't listen to you their home wouldn't have sold <laughs> right and, and and think about how many times if the buyer didn't have a representation a rep on the other side and didn't have someone also whether it was one of you ladies myself whomever also guiding them through the process if it wouldn't have sold like, people lose their mind over $20 Tiffany lamps, let alone big problems that can be fixed, like a, you know, like a, like a heater cert or something like that. People want – there's, there's a lot of damage that can be done here by this, and I, ultimately this is going to hurt the seller and the buyer if they don't have guidance because these are highly emotional transactions. Yeah, it's definitely going to hurt the consumer for sure. So do you think this goes anywhere? Well, it, it has already, <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I don't see where, first of all, if there, if the ruling stands that these sellers can recoup their costs, where does that money that come money's from? That money's spent, yeah. Yeah, I, I where's that come from? Right, I have, I have no idea. Yeah, so if... if, if They'll get awarded gonna, something by the government, I think is what happened. You ha- think so? Happened. Okay, because okay. I was. it's like a chain reaction. Would they go after the brokers and then the brokers go after the buyer's agents to, you know, claw back these funds. I don't know where it comes from. Right, right. So, um, but again, if it comes from the government, it still comes from somebody. Right. right? (laughs) Yeah, and pulls from other places. Taxes. Yep. Yeah. So, I agree with you there. I also would say that what what we would likely see happen here, if this does, you know, I don't think it's going to change the market too much. What I think is going to happen is buyers are going to be left out on an island. As tough as it is to buy a home now, it will become tougher because less people will want to work with buyers. And what agents should be doing anyway is going after more listings. So I think that's the one lesson for agents here is go after more listings, which how many times do you hear that come out of my mouth on a daily basis? I mean, it's all the time. Buyers are going to be, it's going to be even more challenging for buyers to buy a home when it's already been what I've seen the most challenging time in 21 years trying to buy a property. So, you know, with the interest of the consumer in mind, you know, these sellers, they had to be buyers at some point. And that's what everyone forgets. Right. I agree with that. They will be on the buy side one day. <laughs> so predictions on how long this suit lasts and what the ruling is. And we're looking for specific. Not, I don't, I, it's going to take five years. Who knows? Uh, ba- it could bounce around, bounce back and forth a couple of times, I think. I would say two years. Okay. Two years. Yeah. Six, 27 2024. So also, <laughs> I'll go two years in one day to take the over. Price is right style. I I don't think this ultimately. I think they're they're going to remove some of the rules from the NAR code of ethics. I don't think it's going to change the way business gets done. And I'll tell you why. Because if I'm a seller, I want people bringing buyers to my property. And if we're not going to pay them, you know, when you when you pay you, you pay with your money or you pay with your time, right? So if you want to sit on the market forever, I mean, and, and you, what also realtors need to learn is they need to be able to communicate their value to their clients. 
And we talked, we had a coaching call about this today, right? You've got to show people why they should be hiring you to work with them on the buy side, not just be a door opener or answer the phone and go show up, because those are the people that I think that, that are being targeted by this lawsuit more than anybody else. And what I imagine is, and we said this before, the number of realtors comes down. People are going to have to give a presentation on why they should be hired, which is something we train on here every day. And that's going to be the agent that, that, that succeeds. Because this isn't going to be the first time we see a lawsuit like this. It's not going to be the last. Look what happened to the accounting industry. They had all kinds of stuff that went on. So you're going to have to be able to communicate your value and learn how to list houses. That, that's my two predictions here. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about – this is not a good week for NAR, by the way. There's another NAR sort of lawsuit, only this one is against them about their pocket listing suit and an appeal that got uh, placed. So we're going to cover that next on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB. 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. For the best local mortgage service and great rates on your money, look no further than Mortgage America. We've been operating in the greater Philadelphia area for 40 years with a focus on smooth, easy access to home purchasing. Whether you're a first-time buyer, upsizing or downsizing, or just refinancing, we have programs for you. We also have closing cost assistance programs and access to subsidized interest rates. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. To learn more, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. We always have a person available to take your call with around-the-clock human service. Purchase your home with the personalized local service you find at Mortgage America. Mortgage America is an equal housing lender. NMLS 128501. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. All right, we are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. She's Sarah Timon. And we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team since 2018. And we're streaming live on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So not a good week for NAR here. It's the second lawsuit they're on the wrong end on right now, or I would say the second decision. So the, um, there is a, a pocket listing. If you don't know what a pocket listing is, it's basically you're marketing the listing, but you're not marketing to everyone, which I think is the worst way to sell a home. But some people have a reason to do that, mainly privacy. And the pocket listing network, or the PLS, it's called the Pocket Listing Service. It's the PLS.com. It's based out of California. was founded by Mauricio Yamansky of the agency. You might know him from the Real Housewives of, I want to say, Beverly Hills. have to ask my wife. She watches those shows all the time. Uh, they uh, came up with a, with a separate site that would allow for pocket listings, and it was founded in California. And they are alleging that the National Association of Realtors and the California Regional MLS, Bright MLS, which is where we are, and the Midwest Real Estate Data, 
which are all the, the biggest MLSs, have violated the federal... This is another antitrust... I can't believe this. Second antitrust lawsuit. They violated the federal Sherman Antitrust Act and California's Cartwright Act for adopting the clear cooperation policy, which requires listing brokers to submit their listings to the MLS within one day of marketing the property to the public. So this is like, this has been going on for, we talked about this, what, like two years ago? I think it was before Stacy was even on the show. And this is pretty controversial. And what's now happened is um, they have this website and they're relaunching. And in the complaint, they allege that NAR controls competition in the residential real estate brokerage industry. And th- this lawsuit's gaining some traction. Um, and now they're suing NAR and they're alleging an MLS conspiracy theory. What do you two think about all this? <laughs> well, yeah, the MLS conspiracy theory. That's I like that term. Um, well, I think it's really up to the seller how they want to proceed with selling their house. Basically, that's what it comes down to. So, And it might not be as prevalent here because we don't really have that many high profile. I mean, we do have some. But in California, you have so many ho- high profile people there actors, actresses, just, you know, high level. They want to keep their information and and their homes private. They probably don't want to open it up to everybody just to walk through. So I totally get that. I totally understand from the seller side of um, how they would want to do private kind of insider transactions. So, um, yeah, it is tough times for NAR here because uh, it's gaining, it seems like it's, becoming we did talk about this one time before yes. on the show i remember it's that. been another ongoing long so it's, legal yeah, battle and it's popped up again so obviously they're not going to give up on this so all right i i absolutely agree with with everything here that like for um it's the seller's choice if they don't yes. want it open to everyone they should have the right to not have it open to everyone especially when it is a privacy thing and when you don't want everyone just walking through your home and even if you pre-vet people before coming out you never know who's like a stalker like especially yeah. if you're out in like California where there are celebrities and there are you know like absolutely you have to be able yeah. to to watch out for them and to do what's best for them um so for you know traditional pocket listings when you're allowed to within your own office you know, advertise it just to, to your office. I guess there it would, as the seller, I, I guess the best thing to do if you wanted to have a pocket listing would be to do your research and find a brokerage that has a good track record for doing, I don't even know how you would like look that up, but, and or a large one. Yeah. Like a large one that closes a lot Mm -hmm. of deals that aren't listed on the MLS would maybe be your best like success there. I don't think that data's out there Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you bring up a good point because Ultimately, the seller should be the one to decide. It's a privacy thing. And we've got people here, and we've had clients like this in-house, which we're not going to give you their names, but they said, hey, like, don't put my name on the listing. Say, like, client of blank or whatever. Or So I, I get that. The, the problem is the rule here. It's you're telling a seller what they can do with their home, and you're limiting their options and almost forcing them to go for sale by owner, which is the exact opposite of what the NAR should be doing, knowing that they represent the National Association of Realtors, or realtors, I always say that wrong, and then people make fun of me. Uh, and and the, it's just a quirky rule um, where it's, you have one business day to get it in the MLS, and then but with Bright you can get a waiver signed, and you can do you can do one to one marketing, you can market to your office, and you can do an office exclusive. And I, I don't if the seller says, hey, you know what, I just don't want the home on the internet, 
and I want you to work your brokerage contacts here, which we've all got a lot of. I mean, between the three of us, we've done thousands of transactions. We know who's doing business, so we're better equipped to do that. But now NAR saying you can't do that because they want to make it even competition, but it's not really our call. Now, I do agree with NAR. I think fundamentally here the idea is the best thing to do is get the home out there for everybody. That's how you're going to get the best price, get the public competing for it. We're talking about unique situations here where, you know, imagine like, who's the biggest celebrity you can think of? Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Okay. <laughs> that was an interesting. Such an odd choice. <laughs> so let's say, let's say it was Lady Gaga, right? Lady Gaga's house comes on the market. I can't believe I'm the one that said Lady Gaga instead of you when you said Harrison Ford. Um, I, I like Star Wars. It's all good. Um, my kids didn't like Indiana Jones, but I think it's too old. It's too old for them. They're kids. Um, the point is, though, people are going to want to go see that house, right? And there's definitely been some people I've seen when you list, like, higher-priced homes here. They want to go in just to see the house. That's where it's the agent's job to pre-qualify them, make sure they can afford the home, look for financials. None of that's unreasonable. The challenge here is, like, the seller's rights are now limited, and it might force them with a discount brokerage. Like, there's a ton of them out there that aren't members of the NAR that they can go post on Zillow and get on these other websites but not market it. Or they have to go FISBO and then rely on their own network. I, it, it just doesn't – NAR sometimes makes decisions that aren't in the best interest. Uh, like they're trying to promote fair competition. It's not their call. I think, you know, having the seller sign something, I do not want it on the MLS, should be enough. Right. You know, so I, I don't I, – I think this lawsuit's going to actually have some traction. If I'm the decision maker here, I would probably would overturn it. I, th I think the rules doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, so how would it work if, let's say, you do have a – a celebrity client and Harrison you're Ford. <laughs> got Harrison's <laughs> yeah you got his house um and you are the listing agent you have a you know another agent that you know has a buyer that would be a good fit and this could all loop around just close quietly close without hitting any sites is there any way to legally line that up here's if they're what, with another they're with another office here's what it says if the seller refuses to permit the listing to be disseminated by the service, the participant may then take the listing as an office exclusive, and such listings shall be filed with the service but not disseminated to the participants. Filing of the listing should be accompanied by certification signed by the seller that he or she does not desire the listing to be disseminated. So I, I think this, this is actually the, the whole point, is that, like, oh, if they're in your office, it's cool. Right, but, but if, if you're outside, not, then it's you know, no There's go. good agents everywhere, right? I'm not and, – and especially with, like, the rise of teams, like, I know who I'd want. I'd want to call the other team leader or, and see if they know their 35 agents or their 50 agents or anybody there knows somebody or if they're big in the neighborhood. So the answer is yes, I, but, I, I mean, I don't know how you police that. Like, are you going to stop them from selling the home? That, that, that's where the problem is here. And it's a, it's a $5,000 fine is, 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 the, is the ramifications. Which, I mean, depending on the price of the home, they may just be, you could write that into the contract. If you get caught, you pay $5,000 and then whatever. I don't know. That's, um, that's actually pretty, pretty clever. Right. I'm clever. Right. At those price points. If you get caught. Right. An extra five grand. Right. Right. That's on you. But, um, yeah. So do you think this is going to get overturned? I think that's the big question here. This rule. So where it stands now is that you can't do these. Yeah, I mean, we have a very specific process here at our office where we go coming soon on Friday on Zillow. It goes in the MLS on Monday. That's the next business day. So we're following this to the letter of the law. And then we have that coming soon period ramp up, and then we start showing it. So 
you can't even show the property. Like if another agent said like with Bright because they have that coming soon status, you can't even show it. Um, not, I look, I'm not. I'm, I know agents do. Like it happens. I think you know things. Like what if your client's going out of town? There's all sorts of issues here. So I liked it. You know, Mauricio Yamansky and these people are standing up for this because that probably affects their market a heck of a lot more than it does ours. I just, this just doesn't make, it's, it just, it, this is a common sense rule that well, actually it violates common sense. It's not a common sense right. rule. It defies common sense. Why can't there be a concession? Why can't there be some type of, is it, does it have to be all or nothing? Well, let's talk to NAR. I mean, let's get him on the show. Do you think we can, uh, I'm going to see the CEO of NAR this week. I don't know if I'm going to have the, the, guts to ask him this but uh we'll, we'll see what happens yeah that would be interesting that would be interesting i'll let you know like yeah. my hey excuse me i have my phone <laughs> recording we're recording this right now i'll be thrown out of the t360 conference permanently <laughs> so what how would you respond to a seller that says i want you to market it privately let's say it was someone that like because where we are it's like an athlete or maybe like a news anchor like jim gardner right like jim gardner's a big celebrity around here or Someone like, you know, one, like one of the sports team owners, M. Night Shyamalan's our resident celebrity. Like, if it was someone like that and they said, I don't want this out there, how would you, how would you explain this to them? That's the problem. Like, what would you say, Sarah? And I think I'd have him. Answer, so. I think I'd have him sign the form saying we'll pay the fee if we do it wrong. No. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's that's a tough line because you want to do ultimately what the seller wants and you want to advise them that if you're not putting it out there publicly, you may be leaving some money on the table. But if they care more about having the sale go through private, privately without a bunch of like people that just want to come in and like check out your your private life, you know, that they may be like, yeah, I mean, I've got a ton of money. I don't I don't need that extra money. I don't I don't want all these mm -hmm. people coming through here. Um, so. I guess I would maybe try and steer them towards let's do a – if you want me to list it as an office exclusive, we'll see what kind of traction we can pull if we can get anywhere because then I'm assuming it would be an option to then yeah, open it up. You can it go, up. There, you you can go, go the, there, yeah. I'm curious, right. you can go the other way, you That's know. Good point. So I'd maybe be like, all right, if you want to do it that way, legally this is how we can do it. Let's try it. If we don't get traction – and we need to open it up, we can do whatever measures we need to do, such as if they needed to put it in or if they needed, yeah, in addition to putting in restrictions for who would get in, right. it, I don't know, if you needed to like change the um, title or like the ownership title over to something other than your name so that people wouldn't be able to use, I don't, I don't know. But then, then it like costs people thing. money. I yeah, mean, you can look thing. this stuff up on the public records. It's not right. very hard. Right. And if, you, you're, if you're trying to, if you're that far into it, trying to like get in to see somebody or stalk somebody, I bet you know how to get around that. I think you, <laughs> you definitely have to offer some kind of limitations. Like yeah. the listing agent has to be there. If you're, you would have oh, to be yeah. there for every showing. You would have to see financials before mm -hmm. agreeing to, to showings, things like that. But, yeah. you know, we're kind of pigeonholed into that, right. not being able to branch out. And I mean, at those, right. I mean, at those high price points, I think like you wouldn't be dealing with as many potential people that that could even be a fit for anyway. So it's not like you're going to be dealing with, you know, like 50 showings coming through in a weekend. Um, so it would be a little bit more limited, but I think you would have to put a lot of additional measures in there. And hopefully at that price point, that's not going to scare somebody away. Because I mean, I think when you put too many restrictions on listings, especially if it's, we've all been there, where you've had a listing that they think that the level of things that need to be put in place are higher than maybe what the price point is for or sure. what the situation stands for. Right. So I can think of a couple. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that when you do that at a lower level, you can scare away 
potential people coming through. There's too many restrictions. Like I'm not going to pull all this stuff and write all these things up before I come out to just take a look at, at this home. But at that price point, I think that's something that would almost be expected. Right. Um, and I think those buyers would, yeah, I, you know, they would welcome all that betting anyway, yeah. I think so. Right. Anyone that is not willing to show their financials right. isn't a serious buyer. Exactly. I don't care what anyone says. Right. right. And we've had those folks, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I think it's a big deal. And it's like, well, what do you expect? You're selling your house. I mean, it's going to be the same thing. So so my takeaway here is this. And we'll close it here. And then we're going to come back. we got Michael Gallagher from our team coming on about why he decided to go from a single agent on a brokerage to a team. And if that's something you're considering or you're just getting into the business, check out our scholarship program. We will get you your real estate license at our cost because we invest in our people. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. Here's my takeaway. This is going to get overturned. I'm calling it right now. I thought it was nonsense when it first came out. If you remember, I think I said that to you specifically. It, it's just a silly rule that limits the property owner's rights. And it's another example of NAR overthinking things. And with their last lawsuit in this, NAR better get their act together here. I mean, you know, we're the people they should be representing. And this one hurts us. The last one is something we need them to push back on. So NAR, if you're listening, let's go. We'll be right back. Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. You shouldn't have to deal with all the red tape when getting your mortgage from a big or online bank. At Mortgage America, we have access to big bank money, but with the personalized and detailed service of a local bank. We are here in your community and ready to serve with fast settlements, low down payment options, and first-time homebuyer programs. Pre-approval is free, no costs or commitments. For more information, visit our website at mymortgageamerica.com or give us a call at 610-439-8000. Mortgage the real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Time and she's Stacy Mitchell. And we've got amazing team member Michael Gallagher here. Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Excited to have you in the studio. And we're doing excited. You got it. So the reason we wanted to have you come on, uh, obviously you're, you're kicking ass. You're doing great. You've got eight sales already on the board this year. But more importantly. There's this team versus individual agent versus brokerage debate, and you made the decision to join a team after selling homes on your own and having some success. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, what you were looking for, and where you're trying to get your career to go to by making this move? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've been with uh, different brokerages for about two and a half years before I made the decision, and uh, I just felt it was best because I wanted to scale my business a little bit more and work with more people and help them buy houses, and uh, that's the whole goal here, and I knew that being on a team would help me do that. So, so what kind of resources, when you say scale your business, like I guess what does that mean for a lot of people that maybe are listening and don't know exactly what you're talking about there? Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot of time that goes into, you know, paperwork and preparation for listings and getting the sale to close. And, you know, here at the team, you have a whole bunch of stuff that helps us, you know, to do that on the back end and just allows me to spend more time helping clients in the field and really just work with more people at once. Okay. So, and, and you've come in here and it's kind of, you had like your hair on fire as soon as you walked in. I mean, you did a deal like your first couple of weeks, you're getting listings, you're doing all the things that realtors want to do. 
So what was maybe holding you back from doing that where you were? And, and you know, talk to us a little bit about that, because this is one of the, like, the, hotly, the most hotly debated topics right now in the real estate industry. Yeah, I definitely think you know, having the reputation with the team has definitely been helpful to be able to gain more clients and having access to uh, more leads uh, and things like that. And um, just being able to grow my business. I mean, just very helpful to have the team resources. Well, give us some examples. Like what? Like you're trying to grow your business in what areas? Because a lot of people they they kind of get stuck with like listings or buyers or, or different things. And growth is always talked about, rarely achieved. Yeah, for sure. So I'm definitely somebody who um, struggled to help hold myself accountable for getting paperwork done on time and making sure it's all accurate. So having somebody here on the team who uh, makes sure that I get everything done on time and make sure that we're good to close, it's just helpful just to you know be able to spend more time in the field with more people. Very cool. So were there a lot of, I guess it sounds like there were a lot of back end um, steps and legwork that you you had to do there that you don't have to do here. Um, was like title something that you would be running? I mean, what all back end pieces of that our office handles were you doing um, by yourself prior to coming? Yeah, so on the listing side, I mean, scheduling everything to get it on the market, getting the photography scheduled, you mm-hmm. know, getting with a client and scheduling any kind of appointments to get the house prepared for the listing, um, you know, setting up time to make sure that the MLS is accurate and, you know, showings can be scheduled and fielding some of those phone calls that the team here now handles for us, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that's taken a lot of time back into my day. So, and on the buyer side, you know, once you go under contract, we're able to have our team set up the title order set up you know everything we need to to get to the closing table where before I was responsible to make sure I did that well that's a lot of time yeah you know what I mean a time that I could be out in the uh, the field working with more buyers and sellers and getting more houses sold and helping people and I'm sure also if ever there was an issue that came up during that process with any of those pieces before it always had to come down to you to handle it there wasn't someone else that would be able to step in or because um, I feel like here we are I don't want to say like protected with a couple layers, but like we, you know, we're always CC'd on email. Like we always see everything that's going on with the transaction. But, you know, oftentimes if you're out on the road, by the time you would even go to respond to it, it's already been taken care of. And that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely notice that. Like sometimes I'll see an email come across. I'm like, oh, I have to grab that. And then before I can even respond, mm-hmm. our team has it handled. And I'm like, wow, okay, great. Yeah. Good. Next, next Good. thing, you know. <laughs> so it's awesome. <laughs> Definitely a perk, especially with listings, you know, the listing prep with, I don't know how you did that, because I see what goes on after we upload our docs, and it's like kind of hands off at that point for us, and like you said, to be able to get out there and, and service other clients. Um, so you would actually have to do all that, you know, schedule the photographer, scan through all the photos, upload them into the MLS. Yeah. Oh everything, everything from start to finish, even down to putting the sign in the yard. I mean, that takes time. You have a listing 45 minutes from home and you got to throw your sign in the car, make room for it, and then head down there and put it in the yard. I mean, that's an hour and a half round trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all handled. That's an hour and a half back in my day for personal things or to spend more time on my business, which is amazing. Yeah. And yeah. the use and occupancy, you know, you <laughs> <laughs> definitely had some fun smile. stuff <laughs> with use and occupancy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, all that's ordered for us here instead of yeah. having to grab seller signatures, grab, you know, buyer information and get it down to the township. It's all done for us. I mean, that's just so much time back into my schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Well, you guys also don't know what it's like to have your car get screwed up from putting a sign in the back. You probably do. Like the backseat's just destroyed. Like those stakes are all nasty. Stacy would not be happy with her Jason Statham mobile that she has. Uh, but I mean, I think you bring up a good point. Like I've 
definitely been up to like nine, ten o'clock at night, like making brochures for a listing or and coming up with my own description. And and like this isn't like necessarily my skill set. Doesn't sound like that's what you wanted to be spending your time on either. Not at all. So you, you say you want to spend more time on your business, but do you, do you have like more personal time back? Like, because that's the other thing. Like most realtors, they get eaten alive in a lot of cases. I think this is a big problem with with the industry is that you're like basically there's just like hustle culture, which I'm all for, but. For people, when they don't have support, they're, that's all they're doing is just working the entire time. So do you feel like you have like more personal time back? Like what, what are you doing there? So it's definitely more personal time available, but I don't use it for personal time. I'm working, <laughs> I'm working with a lot of people right now just trying to help them out. And I've got probably about 20 people that I'm working with right now between both sides, um, you know, buyer and sellers. And uh, I wouldn't be able to do it without the team help. I really wouldn't be able to. I, I maybe five people max at a time. I mean, how do you have the time to do all that when you're by yourself? You just don't. Yeah, that actually, that kind of answers my question. I was going to ask. Um, what was the number that you felt comfortable with, you know, being hands-on prior to having team help? So it was about like five, probably? I would say five at most, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if you had questions, if anything came up during the course of, of a transaction, did you have, who did you go to? Like, what would you do? Uh, yeah, there's a definitely a few people at the uh, previous office that I could go to, even down to just the associate broker. And, you know, they were great with helping out, but, you know, they don't have the same goal that I do, right? You know, here we all have one common goal of getting the house sold. There, they're there to support, you know, they might be on a salary. They don't care about my transaction as much as I do. So, you know, definitely having more, you know, access to people who have, you know, interest in the transaction itself, you know, you're definitely going to get a quicker response. So what kind of gave you the idea, like, is joining a team something that you were thinking about for a while before, you know, doing it? Or was there, like, one deal where you were like, that's it, I'm out? Or, like, uh, what did the process look like to kind of get you from there to here? Yeah, for sure. Um, So, you know, at the end of the last quarter of the the year, I, I saw business kind of decline, right? You know, you're still working with people, but with the market being so competitive, I knew that in order to be able to survive in the market, I needed to be working with more people at once. Yeah. And that was kind of what really led me to start researching into joining a team, and and here I am. <laughs> when you were at um, the other brokers, did you have uh, different trainings that you could participate in? How, how did that work, and how is that different from here on the team? Yeah, for sure. So... They had trainings every week, but I, you know, definitely think that being here on the team with people who are in the same position of their business as I am, still growing, looking to grow more, looking to succeed, the training's geared towards us. You know, the last brokerage I came from, amazing people worked there, but they have been in the business and the industry for 20 plus years. I don't compare. You know what I mean? That's basically my entire life, you know, 20 years. So <laughs> how am I supposed to compare to that, right? So it's, it's really nice being in a group of people who are in the same page as me. Making me feel old, man. I've been just saying, but that's okay. I, I think you bring up a good point, though. You got to meet people where they are, and like we've intentionally, and you guys have probably noticed, like we've slowed things down here like immensely, and, and going really deep on like the basics. Where here's how to get offers accepted. We're going to go over this every week and show you different scenarios of what's going on, or here's how to get a listing, and we're going to actually like. Sarah's been door knocking a lot, but we're going to dissect the door knocking and inspect it afterwards, and then okay, what could we do a little better? What worked? What didn't? And I, I, to me, that's how you really train. It's like that classroom practice performance sort of progression, because otherwise, like I've had the tendency to go too fast and I don't think that helps people. And certainly 
tells me you were, this is exactly what you were looking for, where it's slowed down so you can implement it, get really good at it, and then add something else to your business. Right, yeah, and I can't tell you how many trainings I've been to uh, my previous brokerage that we learn how to save a document. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, oh. I, I know how to save a document. <laughs> that's, that's not important to me. That's not why I'm here in the training. I'm here to learn how to grow my business and, and help more people. <laughs> I'm not even kidding when I say that. <laughs> so <laughs> the training's uh, you know, definitely a better fit for me here. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you. I mean, it, it, I, I, I love love that you know obviously like 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 attracts like i mean it was it was definitely as soon as we met we were i think everyone was really excited to have you come on board talk to us about your like your life outside of real estate like i know you're working hard all of us are here including nick behind the camera and uh even though he's listening to counting crows earlier but uh so like what do you, what do you do in your free time like tell us a little bit about mike gallagher yeah for sure i mean to be honest free time isn't really a thing for me right now i not great with having hobbies but um i came from a retail management background and that's kind of how you know, it was easy for me to transition into working with people all the time, right? You're here in a service industry and it's the same thing, just a different setting. So, so, so what made you want to make the jump into real estate? Because this is a couple progressions here. It's working another job, which you guys recently did as well, and then getting into real estate and then, okay, this isn't the right environment for me to be as successful as I want to be. I need to find that. But what made you want to get into real estate in the first place? Yeah, I mean, obviously money is motivation, right? But, you know, helping people is a lot more rewarding in a retail, I'm sorry, in a uh, real estate industry versus retail industry. Yep. You know, anybody can sell groceries, right? You can, you know, check mm -hmm. them. But not everybody can help somebody make the biggest investment of their life or make those changes. And in real estate, we see people go through situations where they're forced to sell their home or forced to make a move and, and they're vulnerable and they need our help. And that's, you know, really rewarding. What's your favorite part about the job? The paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> Honest answer. I like yeah. that. No, definitely helping people get you know get get their uh, their goals met. That's that's really rewarding. It truly is. See, I would actually argue that it's okay to be well compensated for helping people, and I think everyone like it's we're all here to help people. I think we've all been through real estate transactions on and on the consumer side, and it's stressful, right? I mean, you know, we and you know, recently even you you went through one with your with like a family member, and it was pretty stressful. You know, all, all the stuff that, 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 that goes on. Sarah, you're in the same boat. I mean, it's a little stressful, right? I mean, so knowing that you've got the perspective of both sides, I don't think it's inappropriate for people to get compensated well for helping people in these stressful times. And you shouldn't be shy about that. At least that's my view. Because how many times have you seen someone screw it up on their own or not listen and then it goes horribly wrong? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we see, what is it, 17% of uh, money is left on the table when somebody sells by themselves versus with an agent. And I mean, that's a lot of money. You know, the average commission is 6%, you know, and 17% is a lot more than 6% in, in my book. So, yeah. It's good math skills. I like <laughs> so someone listening here that maybe is like thinking about getting into real estate or they're maybe not in the right place. Like you, you've obviously made a couple big changes that are working out great for you. I mean, you're kicking ass, like I said, and we're grateful to have you. For the people listening, what, what advice would you have for someone that's maybe unsure about if they're in the right career or they're in the right environment within their career? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, being in real estate, you, you just learn so much. You're constantly learning. And I think that's one of the you know best things about being in the industry. And if you're on the fence, just do it. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to try. Even if you just have your license to have it, it's always going to be resourceful down the road. I will firmly stick, you know, to the end of the, uh, the eternity on that one there. <laughs> Very cool. So, ladies, what other questions you got for Mike here? Ah, uh, let's see. Um, give me a second. <laughs> right. So, I got one for you. So, I mean, obviously, you came in through like, uh, like we met through like a hiring site, right? 
did, how, how actively did you research teams? Like, what were you looking for and what were you trying to find? Because I, I, there's a lot of organizations out there. I mean, there's so many teams now. They're sprouting up all over the place. What were you looking for as someone that was maybe trying to get further in your business? I mean, it's going to sound creepy, but I did a lot of research on a lot of the team members here. Uh, Stacy, for example, I knew you sold 51 houses last year before I you know, joined the team. And, and the reason I looked at that is because I wanted to see you know, what works and what teams are making the business and doing the business. And that was important to me. I don't want to be hanging my license somewhere where it's just going to hang, right? I want to be in an office setting and in a position where it's actually going to provide me value, right? So I did a lot of research on the team itself. I did a lot of stalking and um, <laughs> looking at previous sales and well, the numbers were there and that's why I chose this team over any other team. Well, I love that you did research like that. Yeah, but you've it was been a doing decision. the work. Stacy, he knows where you live. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been doing the work and it's been really paying off for you. I mean, you've been killing it since you since you came on board, that's for sure. Yeah, so last year I did. To you. Thank you. Yeah, last year I did 10 sales and this year I've already done eight. We're in April. Wow. So I mean, amazing. I'm on pace to, to triple my business year over year. And, you know, that's exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So. You brought up a good point, though. He's doing the work, right? Like, I mean, we can't, like, we can give you a lot of resources here. And I think all, all of you have seen that. But you've got to do the work. It's got to be about you taking personal responsibility and the input matching the output that you want to get. And if you don't do that, I mean, you can be in the best place. You know, look at, like, sporting teams, right? Like, uh, Ben Simmons comes to mind, right? Everyone's favorite athlete. He had all the resources, but he doesn't want to do the work. So now it's, he's kind of a joke. And the, the flip side is you're taking control and you've taken that personal responsibility. So, like, what does your day-to-day -day look like now that you've gotten all the non-income producing activities off your plate and you're focused on what's making you money and helping you serve people? Just tons of conversations happening all day, day and night. I mean, I'm waking up to texts and emails and, you know, missed calls <laughs> at 6.30 and <laughs> just trying to get back to them, getting appointments set and just setting up the week so that I have consistent appointments and conversations so that I'm never, you know, sitting around waiting for the next next lead to come through. I'm always prepared and always in advance. And, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I start to settle down for the night and <laughs> send emails back before I head to bed. <laughs> it's the way to do it, man. That's the life of a realtor, especially yes, when you're is. trying to grow your business. <laughs> mm -hmm. You had some. Um, I just lost it. Okay. <laughs> so do you eat ice cream? And if you do, what's your favorite flavor? <laughs> Actually, don't eat ice cream that much. Okay. But if I would, it would definitely be like chocolate chip cookie dough oh, just gotcha. because the pieces yeah. inside you got to have like the the nice dough inside gotcha ah i got it did you get um a lot uh i guess have you gotten over the years since you you know started with the other, other brokerage um lots of different recruitment calls from um different companies asking you to come check them out um was that one thing that also kind of triggered maybe there's other other options out there? Not necessarily what triggered me to make the decision, but yes, those calls come in all the time. I got one two days ago. Yeah. I, I got a missed I know, call. I just and thought I was like, of it because I got, <laughs> yeah, I've, I get them very, very frequently. And it's always like, no, I'm very happy on the team that I'm one, you know, but. Um, it's like, no offense, you don't even deserve a call back. And <laughs> 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 I'm going to hug you after this one. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> how many calls do you guys get? Like, I mean, legitimately. I mean, I think, because I, I, don't, I don't think people realize how big of a business it is recruiting agents right now. I think it really depends. I mean, I think if people see that you're making the sales and doing the business, you see an uptick in those calls. Um, they're, they're after people who are doing the sales, right? And that's yeah. what they see. Yeah. I would say at least a dozen a year, mm -hmm. if not more. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a lot. Like, and, you know, you don't always have everyone saved in your phone. So a lot of times, and, like, the way that, like, the numbers come in and stuff, like, you know, they – they're targeted. They kind of know what, what they're doing there. So there are many times that I like, as soon as I pick it up, I'm like, crap. 
But because, you know, you have to pick it up because you don't know. Maybe it's one of your clients you don't yeah, have yeah, saving the bone. Yeah. And then you're just like, ah. Gotcha. <laughs> That's how I got to my last brokerage. She kept calling me. I was like, what do you want? <laughs> but it was a great conversation and it worked for the time being. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. So, all right, we got about a minute left here. Anything else you want people to know about Michael Gallagher besides chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream? Obviously, again, we're super grateful to have you. And how, how should people get in touch if they want to work with you, Michael? What's the best way? And yeah. don't give out your cell phone number. <laughs> uh, you shoot me an email, Michael, uh, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at TomTool, uh, with an E at the end, dot com. And uh, be happy to assist anybody. And uh, looking forward to hearing from people. Good stuff. So... I think that's all we got for this week's episode of Tool Time. Michael, thanks for coming on, man. If you want to get in touch with Stacy, you can follow her on Instagram. It's at the number two Mitchco, two M-I-T-C-H-C-O. You can follow Sarah. She's at Ty underscore tie Time, T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E. Also on Instagram, you can follow me at TomTool the third at TomTool3RD. Google TomTool Sales Group. We stream live every week on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And we'll be back with another episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.